This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat. We'll get right at it. Really pleased to bring in Bill Bender, good friend of mine, national college football writer from the Sporting News. Bill, how you doing, man? Hey, long night, long time no see, Mike. Good to hear from you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we've been busy. I know, man. We've both been chasing it. Certainly, Georgia. It's been a busy season. I know you're up there, still in Ohio. I'm sure you've seen a little Big Ten football, Bill. That's why I wanted to bring you in because I want to get more of a national perspective now with the college football player playoff rankings about to come out tomorrow night. I kind of wanted to get to see what your take is because we know college football is still a bit of a regional game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Georgia and the rest of college football? And how do you think the top six teams will come out tomorrow night? Well, I don't think there'll be much drama at one. I mean, Georgia, with what they've put together, that defense, the notion that they are the team to beat in college football right now, uh, they'll be number one. I think, and this is going to make people mad, I think Alabama will be two. Wow. And I, I think they'll go ahead and do that and then dare them, dare Georgia to knock them out, essentially. And Alabama's resume is what it is. It's not great, but it's good enough. I think Oklahoma will be three. They're undefeated. They're they're Mike, I think their season trajectory changed when Caleb Williams became their quarterback. Their offense is elite, elite defense, maybe not. Then it gets interesting. <laughs> I, I think Cincinnati should be four, but they won't be. So that's my way of saying Michigan State will probably be four with that big victory against the uh, Wolverines. And then, you know, what do you do with Oregon and Ohio State? I think Ohio State probably eye test is your four, but they'll end up anywhere from five to seven because the fact remains Oregon beat them head to head. But that'll be your top seven. And four through seven is what I'm probably more interested in. Yeah, I'm with you, Bill, and and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. You know, the whole Cincinnati thing really kind of irks me because I watched Cincinnati play Georgia toe-to-toe last year in a bowl game. That was legit. There was no fluke there. Georgia was fortunate to beat Cincinnati. Now, Georgia was missing three or four guys that would have played in that game. Cincinnati was also missing some guys. They were missing their best cornerback, and their tackle got suspended in the first – or kicked out of the game in the first half. That was a big factor – for Aziz Ajilari and those nine sacks. And I just don't know what more Cincinnati can do. I mean, they go into Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame in South Bend, a team that aced them out for the fourth playoff spot last year. I just, I don't think it's fair, but Bill, the politics of this playoff committee blow my mind. I think it's interesting that you have Ohio State and Oregon out. And I suppose you have to have Michigan State in, but tell me why you have Oklahoma uh so far up in that because they've really struggled at times this year they've lost they, they haven't lost and I think that's the difference is when you haven't lost and you have the offense that they have and like I said before Caleb Williams came in against Texas down 28 to 7 all of those things were true I still don't like their defense I think they over pursue a lot but Caleb Williams right now is playing like and it sounds like hyperbole I get it but he's playing like the best quarterback in the country yeah. And Lincoln Riley's had the best quarterback in the country before, and Baker and Kyler, and we've seen them go toe-to-toe with George. I'll say this. Um, you talked about the politics of it. For all the drama we've had this year, 
it really shapes up to me if Alabama finds a way to beat Georgia, we're going to end up with who? Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and in my estimation, the team that will probably burn through the Big Ten in Ohio State. Uh, it'd be hard to turn them away if they go 12-1 and and Oregon loses again. Yeah, that's the key factor, if Oregon loses again, because not only did Oregon beat Ohio State, they beat him in Columbus. Not only did they beat him in Columbus, they beat him after Ohio State pulled a quick one and moved that kickoff up to noon, Bill. I mean, I'm just shaking my head going, come on, guys, that is – that is really cheap and, and unnecessary in today's day and age of scheduling. Let me ask you this, Bill. Do you think there's any way a two-loss Alabama gets into the college football playoffs if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game? No, and I think one of your commenters here said that they might. But I, I, I've i never seen it. There's never been a two-loss team in the playoff, even Alabama, and they've lost two before. It would be hard to put them in. I think it would open up that door for Cincinnati. Because I, I see Cincinnati has two playoff paths right now. One is Alabama loses, and they can slip in that way. And the other is if Oklahoma loses, which could happen down the stretch. Baylor, Oklahoma State, a couple other good schools are on their schedule. Um, not really Iowa State, I suppose. But um, that's their two ways in. So it, it really comes down to Georgia continuing to do what they do. If they lose to Alabama, I still think they would get in. I think that's the insurance policy they would have based on what they've done in the first two months, based on this is the best defense I've seen. I mean, you've been around this game longer than me. It's it's one of the best I've seen in the last 25 years. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it really has been dominant. I, I look around and, uh, you know, the teams they've been feasting on, Bill, I I, I feel like there's kind of a, a loss of quarterbacks. I mean, the level of offense looks down this year compared to what we saw last year. I, I'm not sure what the outlier is. I'm not sure if the offenses looked so good last year because of COVID and the defenses weren't properly prepared, or if there's an actual downward trend in offense this year with so many great quarterbacks moving on to the NFL. It seems like a lot of these teams are at loss for, for triggers right now. Let me touch on Michigan State real quick. And you and I covered a lot of Michigan State games together when, when I was up in the Big Ten. The job Mel Tucker's done, this seems miraculous to me. Is there any way Michigan State can beat Ohio State in your mind? I just don't see it or feel it. What's your thought and feeling on what Mel Tucker's done at Michigan State and their odds? We'll start there. Um, phenomenal coaching job. Phenomenal working the transfer portal, getting a guy like Kenneth Walker to the third impressed with their defense at times the pass defense is the biggest issue when they play Ohio State you know Michigan threw the ball around on them a little bit and Ohio State has bigger better weapons all over the field on the offensive side um all that said you know and you and I were both there in 2015 when it was an assumption that Ohio State was going back to the national championship and we I still always tell people I was on we were on deadline and I'm typing and I looked up at the clock and I'm like, wait a minute, Michigan State might win this. And you had that moment. And if they can control the clock and play better pass defense, Mel Tucker will have them believe in. There's no question in that. Right now, he's my coach of the year. Um, you know, they were picked to win four games. I, I don't know how that and, – and how they beat Michigan, we've seen that game before, how they just stuck with it. But if I were voting for the coach of the year today, there's no question it's Mel Tucker. Hey, and if you're LSU, is there any question that it's Mel Tucker? I mean, I look at this job, Bill, and people say, well, that would be his thir third job in four years. And I said, when Nick Saban went to Alabama, it was third job in four years. 
Bill, I don't see any way Michigan State keeps Mel Tucker. I just don't. It's it's just not as good a job as LSU in my mind. And if I'm LSU, why wouldn't I want Mel Tucker with the NFL acumen, the time that he spent not only with Nick Saban, but Kirby Smart as well? Do you have a different thought or feeling on this? Why wouldn't you go after Mel Tucker if you're LSU? I mean, I would, I would, that's the best candidate for the job uh, based on what he's done at Colorado and Michigan State. And I know, yeah, he leaves those places, but that's the nature. You could get fired from those places just as quick. Um, he learned from, like you said, uh, Georgia and Alabama. You know, wh- where else do you want to coach in the SEC? LSU is a place that can win national championships. They've assembled really talented teams and he can recruit and, yeah, I think he's the best candidate. Now he's come out and said he has no interest in that. And we've been in those press conferences before too. But I, I mean, if I'm back channeling at LSU, he's a guy and in the integrity of the program. I mean, Michigan State was a mess two years ago, complete mess. And now they just, they look like the same version what they had during the Mark D'Antonio kind of, maybe not as steady yet, but I mean, that heyday that D'Antonio had, they could revisit that if he sticks around. No doubt about it. Bill, I know we're winding down. You're running out of time tonight. I want to get your expertise and, again, outside perspective on Georgia. You mentioned earlier Alabama beating Georgia. How likely do you think that is, and what are your thoughts on the Georgia quarterback situation? Well, I mean, Stetson Bennett's shown he can run the offense. It's allowed JT Daniels to get healthy. Um, The phrase kryptonite gets thrown around a lot with Alabama. I hope it doesn't let make the, your uh, comment section go crazy here. But I think we all know that that's the game that they've got to win. They know that. And Alabama's got a really good team. But when you saw the blips in the defense against Texas A&M, you saw holes in the defense against Tennessee, quite frankly. So if Georgia can get in that game and make Bryce Young make a few bad decisions, which hasn't been easy to do, and control the clock and continue to play defense the way that they're playing. I mean, I don't, you have a Heisman vote too. I mean, at what point are we considering Jordan Davis? Uh, just the difference that he makes up front. It's not Ndamukong Sue in terms of flashy, but for those that know the line play a little bit, what he does to impact a game is second to none. Yeah, it's pretty miraculous. Bill, tell people where they can find you on Twitter. I know you got to head out. You and I will revisit after the season right here on the show. Give us your Twitter and social media information, sir. Yeah, I'm at BillBender92 at SportingNews.com. I'm hoping that I see you here down the road, maybe in Indy. Who knows? And uh, we can go revisit. We've been there a few times. We've been there a few times, Bill. We have. Thank (laughs) you so uh, much for your time tonight, Bill. I appreciate it. And again, I know so many fans wanted you on, and I'm so glad I was able to get you. We'll get you on again after the SEC championship game sometime. Hey, no problem, Mike. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Bill Bender, there he is from the Sporting News. Great friend of mine, Bill and I go way back covering the Big Ten. Bill was always on the scene, and and he's right. We saw some pretty amazing things happen in the Big Ten. Right now, we got some pretty amazing things happening at Georgia. This is going to be a quick show. I want to hit you hard. When I come back from this Ingles break, I want to give you a practice report. I was at practice tonight. I'll tell you what I saw from JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett, tell you a little bit more about what I saw from the receivers, and trying to decode, as I put it, the latest from Kirby Smart. But right now, let's take a moment to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for real. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we still. 
you, everybody. Welcome back. And a couple stories up tonight. I wrote a story on Darian Kendrick. And, you know, we asked to talk to Darian and Kirby said maybe. So we're trying to get to Darian Kendrick. We want to interview him. We want to interview Jalen Carter as well. Believe me, we're trying. But, you know, Kirby has rules as to who he allows to talk, when he allows to talk. And uh, those two guys have not been made available yet. I think they're both having great seasons. A lot of people making the case that Jalen Carter is actually better than Jordan Davis. And that's amazing. You think about Jordan at 6'6", 345, 350, and the way he plugs the middle, immovable force, Godzilla-like presence. But I'll tell you what, Jalen Carter is an absolutely wrecking machine, and he is he's unbelievably active. So Devontae Wyatt, we're seeing him. These three defensive tackles, though, what George is doing, I mean, this is as good as it gets, absolutely. And then you put Trayvon Walker on one edge and Nolan Smith on the other. You know, and it's all like all of a sudden Nolan Smith. And I don't know if you read my midseason stock report, my futures watch. And Nolan Smith was the guy I said the second half of the year would turn it on. I had no idea that we would see what we saw from Nolan Smith on Saturday, though. Dynamic play, stripping the ball from Anthony Richardson at the 11. Next play, Cook punches it in for the Georgia touchdown. And then Trayvon Walker tips a pass, and there's Nolan dropping into a zone. He gets the interception. Next play, 36-yard touchdown pass. And then Florida was looking to drive. They were actually going to get some momentum back. They'd moved into Georgia territory or actually had approached midfield when Nicobe Dean steps in front of that pass and returns at 50 yards, 21 points in two and a half minutes. I mean, it, it was the most, uh, the biggest blur, the most amazing defensive impact that I've seen in a game. I, I can't even think of the last time that a defense produced 21 points in two and a half minutes, certainly not in a game of this magnitude. A lot of the Georgia defense having Florida backed up on those first two turnovers, but also Florida starting Anthony Richardson. I just don't think that's your first start for a redshirt freshman. Not quite ready to play yet. Just it almost looked like they started the wrong guy, you know, because we saw when Emory Jones came in, he moved the ball. Florida finished with more yards than Georgia. It was 10-7 in the second half. Georgia outscored him. So that outside of that two and a half minute burst, it was a pretty even game. Heard a lot of people talk about the quarterback situation. It is curious. Kirby talked about it after the game, said he wanted to go with the continuity, wanted to make sure that JT was 100-100. And, and I think part of Kirby Smart also wanted Stetson Bennett to be able to finish the job. Because when we asked Stetson after the game, when did you find out you'd start? He said, I was told it was going to be my game. That's different than saying I was told I was going to start. It's almost like from one former Georgia high school player, South Georgia high school player, to another former Georgia high school player, Kirby wanted to give Stetson that opportunity to hang that gator head on the wall. It wasn't the most impressive performance. If you're being objective, 10 of 19 with one interception and, or excuse me, with one touchdown and two really bad interceptions, it, it didn't look good. Uh, Stetson did have some nice scrambles. He had a nice 20 yard run, but again, um, you know, JT doesn't have to run. He completes passes on third downs and that's been really apparent. I think everyone recognizes that the Georgia offense is more explosive with JT in there. The numbers would back that up. Also more efficient on third downs. What Stetson gives you with the run game isn't enough to compensate for the decision-making and the play calling at the line of scrimmage 
and the arm strength. And we saw that today. Kirby, as I said, he's very careful and very particular what he opens up for the media to see. He knows exactly what he wants us to see, what periods we're going to come in, what day we're going to come in. He He's in complete control of that. There's nothing that happens by accident. The fact that Stetson and JT were throwing deep balls side by side, I think he wanted us to see that. I, it, maybe some people have already forgotten how good JT is. Um, it's been a while since he's played. The Vanderbilt game, right? The last time you saw him, he was about perfect in the first quarter. He was 9 of 10, and it would have been 10 of 10, but Justin Robinson dropped a pass that hit him between the numbers, and Georgia had a 35-0 lead in one quarter behind JT, and they pulled him out. That's the last time we've seen JT on the field. The game before that he started against South Carolina, he started out 8 of 9 passing and two touchdown drives, and Kirby pulled him out and put JT in because he said – or put Stetson in because he said Stetson deserved to play. At some point, Kirby Smart's got to let JT have a complete game and put up numbers because quarterbacks want to go to schools where they can put up numbers. They don't want to go to schools where they throw it 15 or 11 or 19 times. And I think Kirby today – I asked Kirby Smart about that. I was reading an ESPN article when he was talking about his defense and – he said that the defense was fortunate to play behind a ball control offense. One thing the Stetson Bennett version of offense does is grind, 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 run, 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 clock runs, eats up clock, time-consuming drives, and it keeps the defense off the field. It kind of pads the numbers a little bit when the defense doesn't have to be out there as much Is maybe with a more explosive offense. We've seen with some of these quick-strike offenses, even LSU in their championship year, I still remember people asking Dave Miranda, hey, what happened to your defense? And he said, we're on the field a lot more because the offense is scoring so much and we're playing at a faster tempo. So the question was really more aimed at Kirby. Are you giving up some explosivity on your offense to protect your defensive numbers? And, you know, and, and, you know ball control is a very good thing. And, and I think they definitely did that with Jake Fromm. I think that was definitely the MO in 2017 and 2018. And maybe even part of 2019, right? Because we'd heard so much about the Georgia defense. But I wondered this year if it would be a more explosive offense. That's what we were told. And they came out of the gate against Clemson, a defensive struggle game. But then the next couple of games, it looked like they wanted to go explosive. So if, if they're going to go explosive, and if that's what they're going to sell their recruits, that, hey, if you're a great quarterback, come to Georgia and throw for 300 yards, well, then that's what you have to do, right? Because if people are recruiting against Kirby, and they are, that's what they're going to say. It's like when Steve Spurrier said last week, he made a comparison of the great Florida teams of the 1990s to the current Georgia team. And I ran the numbers. I don't know if you saw that story. But what Spurrier was saying was those defenses Florida had were pretty good. And they were. So I pulled the 96 Florida team out, and I put it up against the current Georgia team. And the numbers were more comparable than you would think. Florida's defense was in the top 15 in every major category. Georgia's offense was 40th, and so it didn't quite measure up as quite as balanced as the 96 Gators, uh, but the defense was obviously better, was the best in the country. The offense wasn't quite up to where Spurrier's was averaging 335 passing, but why not? Why couldn't it be? I think it can be. And I think part of the reason, another part of the reason why uh, Kirby would stick with Stetson over JT in that last game was you didn't really have a full complement of receivers. When you got JT in there, you, you got JT in there to throw first and set up the run. 
And you need receivers to do that. Now, I think Lad McConkey and Adani Mitchell would do a fine job. I really do. And Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers as well. Um, but I think Kirby wants to see some of the other receivers get back healthy. And then I think you'll see a different personality come out in this offense. And it is a long season. And you do want to make sure JT Daniels is healthy because Alabama probably will be able to score some points. Now, I don't know how much, but I think you want to have your best possible offense out there. And JT has that higher ceiling. He's played well this year. He hasn't done anything wrong. He wants to play. He wants to practice. Georgia has been very careful bringing him back because I think they realize they need JT. If they were going to go with Stetson Bennett the rest of the year as the number one, they wouldn't be splitting the reps and giving JT work with the first team. That's the tip off that JT will eventually be back in the lineup as the starter. Now, will it happen against Missouri? Does it happen against Charles, Charleston Southern? Do you think you need JT against Tennessee? Tennessee is a team that can score some points. I, I don't know that they're good enough to beat Georgia, but I think Tennessee is a team that can score some points. And it is in Neyland Stadium, and we'll see what happens. We haven't seen uh, Tennessee uh, you know, for a while. They got Kentucky this week, and I think that will be a really good tell. So a lot of interesting things going on for Georgia. Still number one in the rankings. I saw N'Kobe Dean, one of the semifinalists for the Buckus Award, certainly uh, well-earned. Nolan Smith, a defensive player of the week in the SEC. Good to see him get credit. Uh, I had a stock report today, and I don't know if you read that, on Dog Nation. I kind of like to talk about the guys whose stock is up and whose stock is well, I don't call it stock down because people get their feelings hurt. So I say stock even. So I say stock soaring, stock up, and stock even, right? Stock even, you can kind of figure that out for yourself. So my stock soaring guys were Nolan Smith, the number one ranked player in the 2019 signing class, finally starting to play like it, right? He was amazing. I'll tell you, Quay Walker. You know, no one had those splashy plays, but Quay has just been, he's been lights out. He's been unbelievable. Last year, I felt like Quay Walker was kind of a, a day late, a dollar short, kind of felt like he was a step behind. Thought there were some times when he was playing for Monty Rice where he wasn't lined up properly. I remember that big run Cincinnati ripped off at the start of the second half when the Bearcats had Georgia down by two scores before JT Daniels brought him back in that game. But Quay Walker now, he looks like he's a step ahead of everything. I tip my cap to, to Quay Walker. He's going to be starting in the NFL. This guy is just such a destroyer. 13 tackles. And the thing I love about Quay is the open field stops. He's as good an open field tackler as I've seen in a long, long, long time. Just so, so assured, so powerful. Nobody breaks his tackles. Nobody fakes him out. N'Kobe Dean, the pick six. We talked about N'Kobe a minute ago. Just such an instinctual player, but as much as it's instinct, it's also film study. And Nicobe puts that time in, as uh, Kirby called him, the commander-in-chief of the defense. And then Zamir White. Hey, give it up to Zamir White. His first 100-yard performance of the year. As Kirby said today, he's getting more carries now with Kendall uh, Milton out. And Kenny McIntosh was a little limited. But really seeing Zamir going north and south, trusting his power, trusting his shoulder, and seeing daylight, aiming for it, and going. Still don't necessarily think he has elite vision, but what he has is power right now, and he's finding those gaps, and he's doing what he does best. 
uh, and he'll get bigger, stronger, faster as he continues to work his way back. Be a real question what the NFL thinks of him during the medical portion of the combine and what 40 he runs, but he's putting some really good film down right now that I think is resuscitating his hopes of being drafted uh, into the NFL draft uh, this coming year. Stock up. These are guys, their stock is up. Those four guys were soaring. This is up. Darian Kendrick wrote a story. I mean, here's a guy that was on his last chance. He 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 needed Georgia. I mean, been kicked out of Clemson, have off-field issues. I mean, his professional future was going up in smoke fast. And he needed this to work at Georgia. And Georgia needed Darian as much as Darian needed Georgia. The DK story has been a good one. We'd love to talk to him. Not been made available to the media yet. But what I like about DK is in addition to the past coverage, I'm seeing him do some good things in run support. He's not the biggest guy, but he'll stick his head in there and make some plays. That's a guy that's a team first guy like that. Kyrus Jackson finally starting to show us some explosion. You know, Kyrus had not looked like himself. He'd not looked good. Let's just say it. He hadn't looked good the first half of the season. Got off to a really good start for the second half here. Led all receivers with three catches for 59 yards, including that 36-yarder uh, in the end zone. Very, very explosive on the kick return, 31 yards. Started to look like his old self, I thought. Uh, Adam Anderson had that club around his hand. Still had that on his hand today in practice. Managed a, a sack and seven tackles, even with the club on his hand. Adam Anderson, just another one of those future pro guys. And Channing Tindell, uh, another seven-tackle guy in this game. His pursuit is just blinding, the angles that he takes. Stock even. I'm not going to uh, talk too much about this, but Stetson was even, 10 of 19, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, showed some scrambling skills, but also an intentional grounding that backed him up, and, and probably Podlesny makes a closer field goal. Kirby said today they were going to go for it on fourth and short had they not had that intentional grounding penalty. So probably cost Georgia some points there. And then Pod missing the field goal. I mean, this happened against Clemson early on, too where Georgia had a chance to get those first three points on the board. And that's such a pivotal moment when you got a chance to get that first field goal because it just makes you feel like we, you know, you've accomplished something, there's some momentum. But when you miss, you could just see the Gator sideline come to life when you miss that field goal. Uh, they end up missing a field goal too, by the way. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, I mean, he was available to the media today. We talked to him, nice kid. He was your starter at the X, and – Look, he's got three catches for 31 yards. That's just that ain't getting it done. I mean, he's just not getting it done. So whatever the reason, a little of this, a little of that, you know, results, people, results. You got to have results. Jermaine Burton, saw him run out there, saw him run back out. Just we thought this would be the go-to guy. He just can't get on the field. So hopefully Jermaine can get healthy. I did not see him at practice. That doesn't mean he didn't practice. It just means that during the period when we were out there, he wasn't out there. So he may have been getting some treatment. Uh, you know, he's been having that issue with a groin injury. A few minutes left here. Want to take your questions. Uh, if you've got some questions for me, guys, I'm looking at the comments now. I can't really look at the comments while I'm talking. You can see you guys get, you got Bill flustered today. Last week you had Edgar all worked up. So I can't look at the comments while I'm talking or I get distracted. But now I'm looking at the comments. And I see Johnny Bolton saying, if Brock and JT both don't transfer, it'd be nothing short of a miracle. If Stetson comes back, there are questions. There's no doubt about it. If Stetson comes back, uh, who leaves? And that's a fair question, whether we're talking about uh, JT 
whether we're talking about Brock, whether we're talking about Carson. Uh, look, it's not easy to manage a quarterback room in 2021 with these liberal transfer rules. A lot of this is going to be how Kirby Smart manages this and re-recruits guys. We're not to the point where the re-recruiting starts yet, but there's going to come a point where Kirby's going to re-recruit, right? So let's talk about that for a minute. Who is coming back? Well, we know Jamari Salyer and Justin Schaefer are both gone. Cedric Van Pran will be back. Next year will be his third year. Tate Ratlich will be back. He was your starting right guard. You know, I would say Warren McClendon will also be back, even though this is his third year. I think you see Warren McClendon come back and Warren Erickson. I think your offensive line with Amarius Mims and Broderick Jones, I think your offensive line is gold next year. I think it's going to be better than ever uh, at receiver. Who comes back? Probably not Pickens. We'll see. Uh, Jermaine Burton, does he come back? Does he transfer? I don't know. Hasn't really done much here. Uh, Lad McConkey is back and solid. Adani Mitchell is back and solid. Darnell Washington has to come back one more year. Brock Bowers. So you're going to have targets that are going to be back. We'll wait and see. In the backfield, who comes back? I would say Zamir probably leaves. He could come back another year, though. Cook probably definitely leaves. Uh, Kenny McIntosh decision. We'll see what Zamir does, right? Kendall Milton. That's one you got to watch. I don't know what's going to happen with Kendall Milton. Uh, like to think he's coming back, but I don't know that this was a very highly recruited guy from the West coast. I know early on he was competing for, I thought he won the job in the spring. I thought he wanted in the fall and they went with the seniority. So I don't know where that's going to be at, but that's one for Kirby to have a discussion with after the season defensively. Uh, you're going to lose a lot of guys. You're going to lose a lot of guys. Does Nolan Smith come back? I hope he does. I hope Nolan comes back. This is his third year. Um, I suppose if he makes enough noise, but I think he's a guy who could get bigger, stronger. And because Jordan came back this year, I think a lot of the other guys saw that. And they saw a model for, hey, if you come back for your senior year, really good things can happen. And the way Jordan's enjoying the ride, that's so important that he said, look, this is fun. I'm around my brothers. I enjoy this. You know, I think that's a program changer. What Jordan Davis is doing coming back as a senior, Devontae Wyatt coming back for another year as a super senior, I think this sets a trend. And now that you have an NIL, you know, if you can cut a good NIL deal, it's not like you're going to go broke staying another year. You won't get NFL money, but you might get four or $500,000 if the right people step up. So I think Noel Smith comes back. Trayvon Walker, I'm kind of 50-50 on. Not really sure what Trayvon will do. Don't really know his situation well enough. Jalen Carter, definitely back. Nazir Stackhouse, definitely back. Probably a little bit of drop-off on that defensive line. Drop-off at linebacker as well, if we're being honest. You lose a guy like N'Kobe, Quay, Channing. Could Beal come back another year? I'm not sure. But you lose some really good front seven guys. So your front seven drops off. Your back seven uh, does Seen come back? I Probably not. Lewis Seen and Christopher Smith, maybe. I don't know about Christopher Smith. I'd like to see Christopher get a little bigger, but you just don't know where the mind is. You could lose both of your safeties. DK's gone at the other corner. Does Speed come back? Um, not sure. Uh, Keely Ringo's back, but does he come back as a safety or as a corner? He's really struggled as a corner. Much better as a safety. Really, you could see the athleticism on that blitz when he jumped up. I mean, Keeley is a really good football player, but I don't see those in, innate corner skills. Jalen Kimber, I think he comes back. He was your projected starter. He was your best cover guy in the spring before the shoulder. I think he's back. And, you know, we heard so much about Kamari Lasser in fall camp. It just hasn't really 
uh, haven't hasn't really evolved like I thought maybe it would, but he's back. And Nylon Green, where's that number one jersey? But boy, if you're going to wear that number one jersey, you got to be somewhere on the field, I would think. So uh, you lose Jake Camarda, you're going to have to find a pretty good punter there. And then the Pod Lesney's back as well. I think you have a much, much, much more dynamic offense if JT comes back. Big if. Um, much more dynamic offense next year. And then defensively, I think you're still good. You're not as dominant. But Georgia would be in position to be the favorite in the East once again. Kind of keep one eye on what Tennessee's doing, if you're being honest. What they've done in one year under Hyper with this uh, hooker kid, uh, that's an explosive offense. Uh, defensively, they got some work to do. But the portal, what Mel Tucker has shown you at Michigan State in two years, and I know that program well, that program was trash, and there was all sorts of off-the-field issues. And what Mel has done through working in the in the NCAA portal and with his coaching shows you how quickly – Sam Pittman, another example at Arkansas, albeit the Hogs fell off, very difficult schedule. But you're seeing how quickly teams can turn it around. And when you look at programs that have a lot of money, like a Tennessee, to throw around for NIL money, they can make some magic happen quickly with this NCAA transfer portal. So those are some thoughts that I had tonight. Um, again, look for your comments here. Uh, what do you got? Dan Mullen. Someone asked me about Dan Mullen. Look, I, I understand if you're a Georgia fan, the hatred for Florida that goes way, way back. I, you know, I've covered teams that hated Florida too. And I just, I don't get into the other hate on the other team thing as much. I just, yeah, that might strike you as odd because I've, I've been on Feinbaum and I've said some things about Dan Mullen, but I've been asked about it. And I do think that the guy acted like a clown last year with the Darth Vader outfit. And I did think that the comment about eight and four being a great season was, was horrific, horrifying. If you're a Florida fan, can you imagine Kirby smart saying, well, we just had a great eight and four season. I mean, you know, Dan's got to get better with his PR. You saw that blow up today. I know a lot of those guys in the Florida media, you saw we had Edgar on last week. Let me tell you, they're throwing poison darts at him. Why are they asking him about recruiting at a, at a midseason press? It makes no sense. It makes no sense because coaches can't tell you who they're recruiting. They're basically saying, why aren't you doing a better job recruiting? What What's the right answer to that? There isn't one. And he didn't do a good job handling that question. And the whole thing went off the rails. And Florida, unlike Georgia, does not have Hall of Fame PR staff behind it. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, they're they very organized and it's a tremendous academic school. And, and it's not like, you know, they're, they're just horrible. But they don't have a guy like a Claude Felton. Claude would never allow a press conference to get cut off in five minutes. He would, you know, he could give Kirby a look or a wink or I know Kirby is his own guy and really doesn't rely too much on this Hall of Fame staff but he would rely on Claude for something something like that wouldn't happen. So that's a look that looks like a program that's imploding right now. If you're Florida, you just need to survive to Saturday. The only thing that solves these issues is winning games. Nobody wants to, there's no right answer. You don't sound smart saying anything when you lose 34 to 70 arrival. There's just no right answer. And Mullen should have been better prepared to handle that poison pen media that you knew he was going to get today. Right. And Kirby does a good job with that. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Kirby's a lot nicer when he loses. <laughs> when he wins, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you guys can whatever. I'm number one. You know, when he loses, he's very, very gracious loser, very kind, very accommodating, takes time to explain things. Kirby understands how to work it, 
right? That's part of the job, right? Because that perception overtakes reality. Because Dan Mullen had a bad press conference today, everybody assumes that, you know, Florida's going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, let me tell you, if they went out and go eight and four, they're going to be really good next year. If, if Mullen can keep it together, Florida is going to be good next year. I mean, they outgained Georgia, okay? They made some big mistakes in that 21-0 spurt there. But at the end of the day, you look at the numbers, Florida's pretty good. They just made too many mistakes. They just aren't as well coached as this Georgia team. But look, this Georgia team last year was the one. And in 2019, Georgia was the team making mistakes. In 2020, the Georgia defense had breakdowns. It's not easy to put together a team like Kirby Smart has put together. And it makes me appreciate all that much more how good this defense is because it didn't just happen. This is the result of last year getting burned for 500 yards by Alabama and Florida. Kirby went back to the shop, huddled with Muschamp and Lanning and said, what do we got to do different? And they've changed some things. That's the great thing about Kirby Smart is that he's willing to change some things. That's why, even though I'm confused by the quarterback situation right now, I don't think Georgia fans should panic. Kirby's a smart guy. And whereas some coaches are stubborn and married to doing things a certain way, you know, they say one of the best signs of intelligence is someone's ability to change their mind and change their opinion on things. If you're an intelligent person, you can do that. It's okay to say, hey, I was wrong. I didn't see that perspective. That's why I like the comments. That's why I like the feedback. Hey, I've been wrong about stuff before. I don't mind saying it. I, like now, I'm high on Zamir White now. I wasn't at the start of the year. You know why? Because he's playing better. He's not dancing in the hole. He's going north and south. He's trusting his legs. He's going for gaps. I like this version of Zamir White. The one that played at the beginning of the year didn't deserve to start over Kendall Milton. But he stayed out there long enough, and he's found his way. And it's a good story. It's a good story now. I changed my mind. So you know what? He's a rising. He's one of my guys. On, that happens. Kirby can change his mind. Kirby, I think, wanted Stetson to get the Gators. He wasn't able to finish the game last year. He left it with 14-0 lead. And the double bonus was he got to rest JT for another game. If that 21-0 spurt didn't happen, I think you'd have seen number 18 in the second half. Kirby Smart knows where the bread is buttered. Kirby Smart knows he needs to play the prolific NFL player to continue to recruit more prolific NFL players. Georgia is not going to be a 16 or a 19 pass team. Todd Munkin didn't sign up for that. Recruits aren't going to sign up for that. Kirby Smart knows that. But business is business. Florida's in the rearview mirror. And now we're going to see what Kirby does the rest of the year to win the next game and ultimately beat Alabama and win the national championship. So be aware you've got a coach who says, if it ain't broke, find a way to make it better. That's Kirby Smart saying, not me. As for Florida, they should win out. They should finish 8-4, and four, have some momentum. We'll see what Anthony Richardson does if he evolves into this dynamic player. Uh, he does have a lot of athleticism. That was a growing pain game for him. Emory Jones looked pretty good to me. They still have a good quarterback situation. Really like those Gator backs. So that's what I've got tonight. I really appreciate you guys joining me tonight. It's been a great show. Tomorrow night, Connor and coverage right here. Wednesday night, Centel's Intel. Thursday, cover four. We got a noon kick Saturday. Can't wait for that. And every day, Dog Nation Daily. I know you guys watch it. If you have missed it, you need to see it. Brandon's in a new studio. He looks great. Also, give Brandon a shout out. 
he got some love on CBS during the game. It's pretty cool to see Brandon Adams and Dog Nation featured on national network television on CBS. So I really enjoyed that. I hope you guys give Brandon a shout out for that. And I hope you have a great week. And tomorrow night, pay close attention. We're going to be asking Kirby about the quarterbacks. We wanted to give him Monday and Tuesday to evaluate JT and Stat. And I'll be really interested to hear what Kirby says about the quarterbacks and the game plan tomorrow night during his six o'clock press conference. You're going to want to check dognation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MikeGriffith32. Every now and then, pop out a take or two, some hotter than others, but always from the heart and as accurate as possible. Everyone, have a great week. And thanks for joining me on Ingles on the Beat.